This is our first session on 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. For this is the will of God, your sanctification or your holiness, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to take his own vessel. We'll come back to talk about that translation. In holiness and honor, not in the passion of desire like the Gentiles who do not know God. And had an amazing connection between passion of desire and the knowledge of God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Okay, so it's not just a, a matter of what you do with your own sexuality, it's a matter of how you treat a brother. Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives us his Holy Spirit, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So, Father, as we launch into this reckoning with our sexuality and its relation to holiness and love, grant us not only wisdom and insight, but self-control so that we know how to, in holiness and honor, handle our sexuality. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Four. So what has gone before? It's going to relate to sanctification, right? Holiness. So three, 12 to 13 was the prayer that we would be established in blamelessness and holiness. And after the prayer, may the Lord make you, after the prayer, came the exhortation. Therefore, since I pray for your holiness, I exhort you now and encourage you in the Lord that as you receive from us how you ought to walk, how it's necessary to walk, and please God that you do so more and more. So this pleasing God here relates back to that holiness. For you know what instructions, instructions about pleasing God, instructions about holiness. You know what we gave you through the Lord Jesus, and we want you to do that more and more now for or because that's the will of God, your sanctification. So he underlines his prayer, he underlines his exhortation by saying, it's the will of God for you. And you know, don't you, that the term will of God can be taken in two ways. One would be all God does, because God is sovereign, and in one sense, everything he does comes to pass, which is why we can say, if the Lord wills, Paul says, if the Lord wills, we will come to you, meaning if God's sovereign plan includes our coming, we'll come. But here he means what is commanded. Commanded. So that's the revealed will of God. That's what he means here. 
for this is the command of God, the will of God, the desire of God for your behavior is your holiness, your sanctification. And we talked about the term holiness and said to live a holy life, to live a sanctified life, back in chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, is to have a life where all of your thoughts and all of your feelings and all of your actions are in harmony with the infinite worth of God, God's own holiness. So that's what he's going to now apply to sexuality. And he really is going to apply that because he's going to relate it to the knowledge of God. He's not just going to talk about a little do and don't here as if there was some kind of minor sexual squeamishness that we ought to avoid. This has to do with whether you know God or not. So, that you abstain, this is the will of God. (laughs) Sometimes students would ask me when I was teaching students, how can I know the will of God? And I would say, I know the will of God for you. It's clear as daylight. Your holiness. And they would say, well, yeah, but that's not what I meant. I'd say, well, that's the most important thing in the world. This is a thousand times more important than whether you marry the right person or whether you get the right job. A thousand times more, because holiness will guide you in all those other decisions. So the will of God, your sanctification, now he specifies in terms of sexuality. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That term, pornaya, sexual immorality, is very broad. And here we'll see probably relates to the way you take a wife in holiness and therefore don't infringe upon your brother's wife. Let's see where I get that. That each one of you. So he specifies now, abstain from sexual immorality, namely, each one of you know how to take his own vessel. That's a literal translation, which the ESV translates as control his own body. Now, maybe the vessel here is his own sexual organ, and taking it means taking it in control. That's not theologically wrong, and in a sense, it could work here. But I'm going to argue what works better here is take his own vessel means his wife is his vessel, and to take her means to take her in holiness and honor. Now, why would I translate it like that? Why do I think vessel here refers to his wife? And take her means like, I take thee to myself to be honorable to you and to hold you in all holiness. Why would I say that? I've got, what, several arguments. Number one, the parallel in 1 Peter 3. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. So here you have vessel referring to the wife, and we are to show her honor because she holds that place to us. And so we've got 
two arguments then. One is that the term vessel here is used for a wife in 1 Peter 3, verse 7, and we're told that we take her, if that's the right interpretation of vessel, in honor, which is what Peter said we should do. So that's two of my reasons, the word honor and the word vessel in relation to 1 Peter. Then look at verse 6. So take, he should take his vessel, his wife, the weaker vessel, probably called a vessel because she is the receptacle of the ejaculation from the man's vessel. So they're both vessels, and that's the way Paul talks about humans and Christians in particular. We are vessels of God. Only here it's sexually oriented. So she is the vessel, and he takes her in honor and in holiness, not in the passion of desire like the Gentiles who do not know God. Now, we'll come back to that next time, but I want to get to verse 6, that no one transgress and wrong his brother. Now, if, if the only thing in view here was control your body, would he jump to say, and don't wrong your brother? You'd think, oh, don't wrong women, don't have fornication, don't go to a prostitute, which of course would be implied or included, but that's not what he focuses on. He's focusing on a brother, and if you don't take your own vessel in honor, but go for his vessel, you transgress and wrong your brother. So I think this text right here, that is this passage right here, suggests strongly we're talking about adultery. And he's warning them, adultery. Don't do that to each other. One other argument from 1 Corinthians uh, 7, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, it's the same phrase, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. So the temptation to sexual immorality here is combated by having your own wife, which is precisely what this says. Take his own vessel. Don't take anybody else's vessel. Take your own vessel, namely to have and to hold from this day forward in all honor and all holiness. Now, there's lots more to say about sexuality and about the relationships in the church relating to sexuality, but we'll pause there. And I'm arguing that this phrase, each one of you should know how to take his own wife in holiness and honor and thus never transgress or wrong a brother by trying to take his own vessel or wife.